Welcome to the Newsbeat Podcast, where we examine critical issues of social justice. Each episode features interviews with prominent writers, educators, thought leaders, and activists, and is infused with original music and verses from independent artists. The Newsbeat Podcast, the New York Times Podcast Club Pick of the Week in January 2018, and featured podcast on Best of the Left. Here's your host, Manny Faces. Hey, everybody. This is Manny Faces, producer and host of Newsbeat, the sincerely humbled and extremely proud winner of the 2018 New York Press Club Journalism Awards Best Podcast Prize. We meld social justice journalism and independent music to shine a light on the most important yet underreported issues of our day. Welcome to another episode. As always, Newsbeat is brought to you by Maury Creative Studios, an inbound marketing, sales enablement, and client retention platinum HubSpot partner agency. Learn about all they can do for your business at MauriCreative.com. Now I'm going to get right into it. Uh, More than 22 million people are at risk of starving to death in Yemen as a result of the ongoing U.S.-supported Saudi-led bombing campaign and associated violence there against the Iranian-backed Houthi rebels. Let that sink in for a minute. 22 million people. That's three-quarters of the entire population of a nation that was among the poorest on the planet even before this four-plus-year bloodbath. The United Nations Secretary General recently declared Yemen, quote, the world's worst humanitarian crisis, with an ever-worsening famine, countless deaths, and millions displaced. The vast majority, women and children, who face unspeakable horrors, sexual and otherwise. In his own words, Civilians have been facing indiscriminate attacks, bombing, snipers, unexploded ordnance, crossfire, kidnappings, rape, and arbitrary detention. Every 10 minutes... A child under five dies of preventable causes. Now I'm asking you a real simple question, straight up. If you or your family and loved ones were faced with any of these things, what would you do? You'd get the hell out of there as quickly as possible. You'd get them the hell out of there as quickly as humanly possible. Yet, as if any of those things I mentioned weren't beyond tragic enough, it gets much worse. President Trump, the very guy boasting about the billions U.S. weapons manufacturers are reaping from selling so much military hardware to Saudi Arabia, who then use these to blockade Yemen's ports and slaughter innocent civilians, starve innocent civilians. The very guy helping create said humanitarian crisis blocks those very same families trying to escape annihilation from reuniting with their loved ones here in the United States with his Muslim ban. And that's exactly what it is, a Muslim ban. Infuriating. I gotta pass the mic before I smash it. Shedding more light on this for us is Ibrahim Katabi, a senior legal worker at the nonprofit Center for Constitutional Rights. There is no processes right now. There is no waivers. There is a complete Muslim ban in, in, in place targeting uh, people of color, targeting Muslim people. Mohammed Alobahi, a Yemeni U.S. citizen whose wife has been blocked from joining him due to Trump's Muslim ban. Since 2016, I've been trying to bring my wife here on a, an immigration visa. The process, which is described to take only six months, stretched out to more than, than a year and a half. And Dr. Debbie Almentasser co-founder of the Yemeni American Merchants Association and founder and CEO of the Bridging Cultures Group Incorporated. The implications that this executive order has had on Yemeni Americans has been really, really tragic in many forms. Our very special musical guest is Brooklyn-based hip-hop artist and lyricist Napoleon the Legend. All right, here it is. This is Trump's Muslim ban, tearing apart families caught in Yemen's civil war. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown 
of Muslims entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what the hell is going on. The Muslim ban, as President Trump promised that he's going to do a complete shutdown for people from the Muslim world entering the United States. We have to figure it out. We can't live like this. It's going to get worse and worse. You're going to have more World Trade Centers. It's going to get worse and worse, folks. He uh, initiated an executive order banning Muslims from Muslim-majority countries. And they were uh, seven countries, including the country where my family came from, which is Yemen. The first order basically uh, suspended even green card holders from entering the United States. And it created a lot of confusion. We're going to move on now to the chaos, confusion, and anger growing in the wake of President Trump's immigration ban. Protests all across the country, reaction from around the world after the president signed his executive order late Friday. Overnight outrage from coast to coast. In Boston, thousands packing the streets. Officers in riot gear in Portland. In Seattle, police pepper spraying an angry crowd. That order signed Friday, leading to instant chaos and confusion at airports at home and around the world. Travelers not allowed to board flights bound for the U.S. Some, including children, detained upon landing. It's not a Muslim ban, but we're totally prepared. It's working out very nicely. You see it at the airports, you see it all over. It's working out very nicely. There were a lot of protests. People took to the airports, uh, Shantin led them in. He did a third one where he kind of tried to make it look more fantasier in a way, telling people that they will got some sort of process in terms of like uh, getting the so-called waivers, which turned out to be a complete misleading, basically trying to get around the law and the courts, saying there are processes and places. But for Yemeni Americans, as we know, uh, we met a lot of people on the ground. The U.S. Embassy uh, was given mass denials to U.S. citizens and their families uh, trying to join them here in the U.S. So there is no processes right now. There is no waivers. There is a complete Muslim ban in, in place targeting uh, people of color, targeting Muslim people, and it's not allowing even U.S. citizen children and, and spouses to basically rejoin them here in the United States. Amid the renewed fight over immigration in this country, the Supreme Court is now deciding the fate of President Trump's travel ban, one of the most controversial executive orders to come from this presidency so far. The Supreme Court has upheld the president's travel ban. This is the third version of the attempt to restrict travel from mostly Muslim countries after the first two were struck down or had a bad time in the lower courts. But by a five to four ruling, the Supreme Court says that the president has the power to control this kind of immigration in the interest of national security. The implications that this executive order has had on Yemeni Americans has been really, really tragic in many forms. The separation of families has been incredibly uh, heartbreaking for many families. And when I say many, we're talking in the thousands of Yemeni American citizens who actually petitioned for their family members to come to the United States because of the war in Yemen, where they were able to actually get their families to evacuate to Djibouti, to Malaysia, to Jordan, to Egypt, and neighboring countries away from the war are actually now living in limbo. The number of people that have been able to come to the United States since the executive order is very small. 
and now with the executive order becoming indefinite after this SCOTUS ruling is just absolutely devastating. So in the case of Yemeni Americans, the very people that are directly impacted by this ban are women and children and elderly. These are the people that Yemeni Americans who are naturalized in the United States, who have petitioned for family members, have petitioned for their wives, their children, and their elderly parents. And in some cases, it's women who are petitioning for their husbands who they've gone back to Yemen over the course of the last seven, eight years and married someone from Yemen and who've been trying to bring them to the United States. And the same thing for young men who actually went back home and, and met somebody and, and married them and trying to bring them. So when we look at the majority of people impacted in the Yemeni sphere, it's actually women, children, and elderly. And the sad and unfortunate thing is, is that the government is actually giving visas to children and saying to them, okay, your son and your daughter, as young as a year old, and under age can actually go to America, but your wife can't. Your wife can't. Yo, the presidential race left us all a bit of taste. Religion and race was used to energize the base. Mexicans, Muslims, immigrants, terrorists, scare tactics using stereotypical images. Mr. Law and order Trump felt he had to take a stand. Steve Bannon and his earless introduced a Muslim ban. In the land of the free, let's discriminate against them. Anti-Semitism parading with racist emblems. Scapegoating, deflecting, changing the focus And meanwhile Russia was hacking this The system is broken, that was a campaign promise Trump won, he implemented it Banned seven countries to protect us from Terrorists, what about domestic shootings? School shootings every week When a white man does it, he doesn't speak That's a double standard Meanwhile families left abandoned Separated with no recourse and left stranded Diplomats from Europe, the Middle East, and the U.S. met in Geneva today to iron out a resolution that would establish an international inquiry into atrocities in Yemen. Saudi Arabia and its allies are aligned with one faction of Yemen's civil war. They stand accused of causing massive civilian casualties amid a punishing bombing campaign with American support. I think people don't understand why Yemenis are fleeing Yemen. It's because of the civil war that has continued since 2015, where the Houthis and the legitimate government have been at odds with each other. Upon the standing president was being threatened by the Houthis, he fled the capital, went to Saudi Arabia and asked Saudi Arabia to intervene on behalf of his leadership and the military. And sadly, what we have seen over the course of the last five years of this conflict is that it's turned into a proxy war between Iran and Saudi Arabia. So the role that Saudi Arabia is playing is not good in terms of the devastation that's been actually created in Yemen and also the Houthi rebels and the devastation that they have created with the support of Iran. 10,000 people have died, more than 40,000 have been injured, and over 3 million are malnourished. On top of it all, an outbreak of cholera has killed 2,000 people since late April, and 700,000 people currently are infected. The United States backs Saudi Arabia by providing intelligence and military support. The only way that this conflict could end is if this support is discontinued and the Houthis and the standing government go back to the national dialogues and try to resolve this conflict and bring peace to Yemen. 
I came from Yemen in 2006. I resided in, in New York City in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. I, I became a U.S. citizen. And, and since 2016, I've been trying to bring my wife here on a, an immigration visa, which I applied in around February of 2016. The process, which is described to take only six months, stretched out to more than, than a year and a half. And on November 14th, we were granted in an interview at the U.S. Embassy in Djibouti. My wife traveled to Djibouti to uh, have her interview at the U.S. Embassy. And after the interview, she was granted an approval letter that said that her visa was been approved and everything was good. And all she had to do was just wait for the visa to be printed. On March 13th, my wife got a phone call from the U.S. Embassy asking her to come to the, to the embassy. But there was no explanation of where she was uh, going there for. As soon as she arrived there, the consulate gave her her passport back and he gave her a letter that said that she has been denied under the proclamation of President Trump. My wife and her family has been greatly impacted by the war that's happened in Yemen. My wife is a resident of Al-Hudaydah, which is a war zone at, at the current time. Pro-government fighters advance along the edge of the Red Sea towards Hudaydah. The city, Yemen's main point of entry for imports, is controlled by Houthi rebels. But a coalition led by Saudi Arabia is trying to capture it. Her family had fled the city to uh, go to a different city and basically live. The city of Al-Hudaydah is a city that lacks the basic life needs. He had left to go live in Sana'a basically because there is no life standards in, in Al-Hudaydah. I'm left with the two options. It's either my wife will stay in Djibouti for God knows how long it's it, until her waiver gets approved and we don't even know how long is that going to be or send her back to Yemen where she does not have a house to go back to right now. We try to keep in touch every single day, but you know the connection that we feel that we should have and, and deserve to have as a, as a husband and a wife, you know, to live together, to enjoy life, to travel, to be able to explore, it's it's just not there because you know we are separated with thousands of miles, and it's, it has taken a great psychological tool on us to really cope with what's happening there. You got Irish Americans, just like the black Americans, the Native Americans, Yemeni Americans. Let's talk about the Yemenis and why so many fleeing since 2015. A lot of deaths and bodies bleeding. Got the Houthis beefing with the government. It's popping off Iranians and Saudis. Caught up in a proxy war, causing devastation. Humanitarian crisis right now. A peaceful dialogue with Houthis would be righteous. Meanwhile, a U.S. citizen got his wife back in Yemen with his children working on a visa so they could be with him. <laughs> they got accepted they denied out the blue after years of applications and nothing for them to do she's in a war zone they gotta move to Djibouti or Sana a letdown psychologically it's getting harder for both of them to keep the family tight and living proper modest and it's modern day victims of broken promise Using vulgar language, President Trump today questioned why the United States would allow people from Haiti and Africa into the country We will very importantly uh, be funding and closing the loopholes that undermine our enforcement and we will get rid of chain migration and the visa lottery program. We have a lottery program where we take in a lottery people from other countries. In some places, we are bringing in some very bad, bad people. People come in and they're not necessarily 
Good, like the man that ran over, the animal that ran over many people in New York City the other day. According to chain migration, he may have as many as 22 to 24 people that came in with him. His grandfather, his grandmother, his mother, his father, his brothers, his sisters. We are seeing the impact of the Trump administration's zero tolerance policy for illegal immigration at the border. It means adults coming into the U.S. without authorization are being criminally prosecuted and children coming with them can be taken away, at least temporarily. Sadly, this administration has turned a blind eye to what is happening there. And quite frankly, doesn't really care about people, about refugees, about anyone who's seeking a better life. And this is the harsh reality uh, that we are seeing across the board. We see what's happening at the southern border, how people are actually being taken and um, imprisoned and their children being ripped away from them. What's happening to Yemenis and people who are banned by the Muslim ban is exactly the same thing, except that it's invisible for us in the United States because it's happening at U.S. embassies, it's happening at airports, and we are not seeing it. These are all a part of one agenda to basically minimize the number of ethnic and racial groups to this country. And it's really sad and unfortunate that the ones paying the price are women and children and elderly. The Center for Constitutional Rights and, and Yale Clinic went to Djibouti and visited families to document and, and see exactly what's happening. And, and we found out that the actual Muslim ban moved abroad, away from the public uh, accountability, from the eyes of the public, to the embassies uh, abroad. What we uh, found is that based on a Muslim ban 3.0, that is supposed to be a case-by-case -case, uh, waivers where the administration was supposed to give people some sort of guidance on how to apply for those waivers, but we know the waivers are just window dressing the Muslim ban. Uh, there, there were kits uh, for U.S. citizens being denied visas even after they were approved for visas. We found family members who only have one child in, in Djibouti and one child in the U.S. We found a, a U.S. citizen left their jobs in the United States to stay with their families abroad. Many and dozens of immediate relatives of U.S. citizens approved and then denied because of the Muslim ban after 17 and 18 years waiting to join their parents in the U.S. This executive order is a Muslim ban. It was designed to be a Muslim ban because it was a campaign promise that Trump made to the world, that he was going to create a Muslim ban. A total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. We look back at all the video footage, we see it, we hear it. I think Islam hates us. There's something there's something there that there's a tremendous hatred. Sadly, there were people who cheered him on and who felt that that was the best thing that he can do for this country. You have no choice. Fast forwarding to after the election and the signing of the executive order, as much as they tried to say it wasn't by adding additional countries as window dressing, we know and see it to be a Muslim ban. And if people think otherwise, it's really sad and unfortunate. But this is the harsh reality of what this administration 
has decided to do, and that is to go after vulnerable communities, such as Muslims who are fleeing for their lives from war-torn areas for a better life. We learned of a Yemeni-American in Crowley, Louisiana, who took his life because of the heavy burden of the ban. You know, working very hard, trying to actually support his family in Djibouti, who've been there like for a couple of years, waiting for their processing to be able to come to the United States. And this poor man who works at a store in Crowley, Louisiana, just could not take it anymore and uh, sadly took his life. So right now we are in communication with his brother and what we learned was that after the incident happened, the U.S. government decided to give visas to his family. So now his family is gonna be arriving to the United States to reunite with him except that they are going to bury him versus this having a happy ending. Yeah, does the administration care? It's all political points, families torn, and they suffering. Let's get to the point at the border where babies ripped away and put in cages. In the meantime, ruthless dictators is getting favors. The Muslim ban, they're banning people for religion. Families and children kept separated by the system. That's the bigger picture. Certain ethnic groups are minimized. Women, children, and the elderly are the most victimized. They want to create a divide and turn us into tribes. After the ban, a man committed suicide down in Louisiana, couldn't get his family here. How many tears manipulating us with fear? Where did our values go? When did we become so scared? Social media connected, yet so unaware. America was never great through hate when we discriminate. Everything we stand for breaks, for real. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Once again, I'm Manny Faces, Newsbeat's producer and host. I'd like to take just a minute here to share some ideas on how you might become involved in helping to rectify some of these insanely important issues. Now you might ask, wait a minute, it's a freaking war. How can I possibly help or make a difference? Well, number one, by spreading the news. Share this episode with someone you think might appreciate it. Raising awareness is a key stepping stone to sparking change. Trust me, you never know who you'll reach or how it'll affect them. Number two, check out the websites of the groups mentioned in this episode. Learn more about this topic and ways to be a force for positive change. Most nonprofits are always in need of more volunteers. Number three, which I absolutely love to remind people to do, demand change from your elected officials. You know, the ones whose job it is to represent you and your interests. Call them up, email them, drop in, occupy their local office, confront them peacefully but loudly. They work for you. Just remember, tell them Manny from Newsbeat sent you. The Nonprofit Center for Constitutional Rights, where Ibrahim Katabi is a senior legal worker, is dedicated to advancing and protecting the rights guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution and the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Contact the team there at ccrjustice.org. Debbie Almantas's group, the Yemeni American Merchants Association, strives to support the growth and development of Yemeni American merchants and their families through education, capacity building services, information, networking, and advocacy. Learn how you could help do the same at yamausa.org. 
Bridging Cultures Incorporated is a consulting service specializing in academic support and cultural proficiency that enables people and communities to see themselves as part of a diverse, interdependent world across racial, ethnic, and religious lines. Its vision is to provide a tailored academic support and cultural competency presentations and professional development programs for the public and private sector. Contact them at bridgingculturesinc.com. And you can always flood the streets. Channel the same energy the world witnessed in response to the first ill-fated Muslim ban, when people protested at airports around the globe demanding immigrants be allowed to enter the United States to fight the current iteration's discriminatory acts. There are plenty of groups raising funds for humanitarian efforts in Yemen, too. Check them out. Contact UNHCR, the United Nations Refugee Agency, at unhcr.org. Contact Save the Children at SaveTheChildren.org. Contact the United Nations Children's Fund at UNICEFUSA.org. And for more from this episode's special guest artist, Napoleon the Legend, go to NapoleonDALegend.com or follow Team NDL on social media. If you've liked what you've heard overall and want to be part of the Newsbeat movement and help us create future episodes supporting independent journalism and independent music in the process, visit USNewsbeat.com support. We thank you in advance. Remember, this episode and all of our episodes have full cover stories that match, also on the website, usnewsbeat.com. Now, this episode marks the close of our second season. We'll be taking a short break and we'll be back in a hot minute with a whole new lineup of thought-provoking and inspiring episodes. As always, thank you for listening. We are Newsbeat, weaponizing social justice journalism and original hip-hop to expose the truth and shine light. Listen to previous and future episodes of Newsbeat at usnewsbeat.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Rate us, review us, and hit us up if you have any questions, concerns, ideas for future episodes, or just want to give us props. Again, my name is Manny Faces, and on behalf of the entire Newsbeat team, Chris Tawarski, Rashed Mian, Jed Mori, Jeff Main, and the whole Mori Creative Studios squad, plus our artists in residence, Silent Night and Liquid, thank you once again, for your love and support. All right, until next time, one love. The Newsbeat Podcast is owned by Newsbeat, Inc. Visit us at usnewsbeat.com. The producer and host of Newsbeat is Manny Faces. Our editor-in-chief is Christopher Tawarski. Newsbeat's managing editor is Rashed Meehan. The executive producer of Newsbeat is Jed Morey. Our podcast and website are co-produced and managed by Morey Creative Studios. Newsbeat relies on listener support and grants. Artists that appear on the podcast are compensated for original material. To support Newsbeat or contribute to our Artist-in-Residence program, visit us at usnewsbeat.com and click on support. Subscribe to Newsbeat by Mori Creative Studios wherever you download your podcasts by searching for Newsbeat.